This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day! Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 10 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host for our little podcast journey to what I like to think of as one of the best cities on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. This week's episode is a trip report from my most recent jaunt down to Las Vegas from February 3rd to 6th. This was trip number one of 2019. As per usual, it was an amazing trip. I love having the ability to get away and spend time with my friends down there, or as I refer to them, my Vegas family. I took in some great food and drink on this trip, including spending some time with locals in some off-strip locations. I got to be a part of my favorite twice-monthly Vegas event, and I took some notes I thought I'd share about a few random observations I made on this trip. So without any further ado, let's get this episode rolling. Day number one, I landed in Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, which was actually pretty great. I arrived partway through the first half of the game, which meant the airport pretty much completely dead. I only waited about five minutes for a Lyft driver and there was zero traffic. This is probably one of the fastest trips I've ever had over to the hotel. We were 15 minutes from pickup at the airport to drop off at the front door of the Flamingo. It was absolutely amazing. The hotel lobby, completely dead. There was hardly a soul in the place, which worked out really well for me. I decided to check in at the kiosk rather than checking in with a person. But if I decided to go with a person, would have been perfect. There was absolutely no line, no wait at all. Now, about the room. I ended up in the same type of room as the last time I stayed at the Flamingo. I had the King Go room with a high roller view in the spa tower, this time nice and high, up on the 21st floor. The negatives, again, not one of the newly renovated rooms. And honestly, the go rooms are starting to show their age. The carpet bunching up a bit in spots, the wallpaper starting to peel a bit in the corners, and the furniture not in amazing shape. The biggest issue I had was in the bathroom, which I discovered the following morning after taking a shower. The shower stall has this small ledge at the back, which the water hits. The water then runs along that ledge towards the door, goes down along the side of the door, and then leaks out onto the floor, leaving a massive puddle. I solved this issue for the next day by putting a face cloth at the end of the ledge where the water ran to, and then bunching up a towel at the bottom of the door to soak up any water that happened to make it through. I solved the problem for myself. I was only there for three nights, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me, but I did leave a note for housekeeping when I checked out, so hopefully somebody looked at it. The other downside, my room was literally right as you stepped off the elevator. So again, I was dealing with elevator noise through the night, through the early morning. I was hearing dinging. I was hearing people. That was a little bit frustrating. Positives, nice to see the Flamingo still has fridges in their room. This is becoming a big issue at a lot of hotels where there is no mini fridge in the room. And if there is a mini fridge in the room, it's set up as the mini bar, meaning you can't use it for any of your own stuff. 
Now, the downside of landing in Las Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, trying to find a place to eat. I wandered the entire strip south from the Flamingo all the way to Mandalay Bay looking for somewhere to eat that wasn't jam-packed. Anywhere with a TV was showing the game. And if that was the case, I simply wasn't getting in. I thought this would be a good opportunity to try Italy, the new Italian market that just recently opened up in the Park MGM. Now, the concept is great. It's an open space market with multiple food vendors selling everything from fresh pasta to pizza to sandwiches to full meals and more. And of course, they've got wine. Personally, I found it to be a little bit overwhelming. There was so much selection. The lines weren't really organized, and I found it really hard to tell where to line up. Also, if you're solo, like I was, it was going to be impossible to get food and then get a place to sit without wandering around for five minutes, letting your food get cold. Now, in addition to the big game going on, there was also a Lady Gaga concert happening that night at the Park Theater inside Park MGM, so Italy was totally jammed. I'm thinking I'll give it another try on my next trip, and hopefully it won't be quite so busy. I ended up wandering down to Mandalay Bay with the intention of grabbing Mexican at Husong's Cantina, which is one of my favorite spots in Vegas. I've always had excellent food there. The margaritas are amazing. They're what I like to call sneaky margaritas, meaning you don't realize how much booze is in it until you finish it and you try to stand up. Anyway, by the time I arrived there, the game was starting to wind down. I stepped up to the hostess and asked if they had room for one at the bar and was quite rudely told, no, we're full for Super Bowl. Now, I looked in and there was literally a minute and a half left in the game and I could see five open seats at the bar. So again, I just politely asked, hey, like the game's almost done. I see open seats right there. Any chance? Told no again. So I walked away. Frustrated about this. Again, Husong's is one of my favorite spots, but I'm debating on whether or not I actually want to go back there again. Am I being a dick? I don't think so, but feel free to share your thoughts with me via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email me directly. Anyway, by this point, I was starting to get a little hangry, so I headed back north up the strip. I took the tram from the Luxor to the Excalibur, walked through New York, New York to the Park MGM, hopped the tram there over to the Bellagio, and walked across the street to Bally's, where I ended up at Wahlburgers in the Grand Bazaar shops out front. This, of course, is the burger chain owned by the famous Wahlberg family, which, of course, includes Mark Wahlberg and Donnie Wahlberg. Now, people shit on Wahlburgers all the time. They call it overrated. They call it overpriced. Personally, I've eaten there tons of times, and I always love it. I've had great service, the prices are reasonable, and I think the food is great. I had the OFD burger, the originally from Dorchester. This thing is amazing. It was a half-pound burger, Swiss cheese, mushrooms, and their house-made tomato jam. Had it with a side of tater tots and a pint of Guinness. Just delicious. Completely hit the spot. Hanger was gone. Next, I connected with a friend of mine that I work with here in Calgary who happened to be in town to celebrate a friend's birthday. Now, much like myself, this friend of mine here has some local Vegas friends, one of whom wanted to take us out to some local spots. Now, the cool thing about local spots is they're always a lot cheaper than the tourist spots and they've got character. They're those hole-in-the-wall places that you just wouldn't know about unless you're hanging with a local. 
Anyway, I connected with them at the Center Bar at the Mirage, which is always a favorite spot of mine. Great for people watching. The drinks are excellent. The bartenders are fantastic. We had a quick beer there, and then we headed out on our locals tour. Now, this guy we were with said, hey, do you want to go to some dive bars? Absolutely. I love hitting up dive bars in cities. It's always so much fun. Stop number one was the Hard Hat Lounge on Industrial Drive. It's west of the strip behind the stratosphere. This place checks all the boxes for a dive bar. It's in a slightly shady neighborhood. There were weird people hanging out on the patio outside and lots of regulars hanging out inside the bar. They had cheap booze. I'm talking $3 beers, $3 cocktails, $4 wine, and they had cheap food as well. $1 tacos, and they also have this thing called the Hard Hat Signature Frito Boat, which is basically chili and cheese poured over Fritos served in a miniature hard hat. It doesn't get much better than that. The Hard Hat Lounge has been around since the late 50s, came under new management just last year, and I will tell you right now, this is not a tourist place. Just like in a movie, if you walked in there without a local, it would be one of those scenes where the jukebox comes to a screeching halt and everyone would stop what they're doing and turn and stare at you. It was fantastic. Stop number two was a place called Dino's Lounge. It's on Las Vegas Boulevard. It's a few blocks north of the Stratosphere and just a short trek from the Hard Hat Lounge, although I wouldn't recommend making the trek by foot, at least not at night. Now, according to the local I was with and other locals I talked with on this trip, Dino's is the stuff that legends are made of. Again, it's in a somewhat sketchy area off the beaten path. It's been family owned since 1960. It's smoky. It's dark. It's not fancy. And it's the kind of place where the bartenders crown a drunk of the month from their regulars. They got $3 beers, $8 cocktails, they bring in live music, and apparently their karaoke night is legendary. Anyway, after finishing our dive bar tour, we headed downtown to Fremont Street. Now, I've made my feelings known about Fremont in previous episodes. I'm not a big fan of it, but you know the saying, when in Rome, so we started off with drinks at a really cool spot called Corduroy. It's a bar just away from the Fremont Street experience. They got a really cool decor, nice crowd of all ages who were just in there for a good time. The music was decent and the beverages were really reasonably priced. At about this time, we were all starting to get a little bit hangry again. So we hopped across the street for a slice of pizza from Evil Pie. Now, this place is named for stuntman Evil Knievel, who, on December 31st, 1967, famously attempted to jump the fountains of Caesar's Palace on a motorcycle. Notice I say he attempted. Yeah, he failed. Anyway, Evil Pie, which actually operates in partnership with Evil Knievel's estate and his son, features a huge selection of Evil Knievel memorabilia and some of the best pizza this fat kid has ever tasted. I had a slice of what they call the hog heaven, which features barbecue sauce, smoked mozzarella, pulled pork, candied bacon, and red onions. It was amazing. The other thing amazing about this place, the prices. $4.50 for a regular slice or $5.50 for a specialty slice like the hog heaven I had. And I got to tell you, the slices of pizza are huge. This is an amazing value. Once we finished up at Evil Pie, we took a little stroll along Fremont Street to check out the scenery, but by that time of the night, things had pretty much all wrapped up. After all, this was a Sunday night. So our local friend gave us a ride back to the hotel, and 
I headed to the Flamingo and called it a night. Day number two. I had a somewhat relaxing morning and a bit of a lion. Grabbed a quick shower where I discovered the aforementioned flooding problem, and by the time I'd mopped that up, it was time to go and grab lunch. I decided on Virgil's Real Barbecue for lunch. It's right on the link promenade where the high roller Ferris wheel is, along with a ton of other great restaurants. I stumbled across this place when I was looking for a spot for a quick lunch, and now it's an obligatory go-to for me. They originated in New York City and opened their Vegas location on the promenade a couple of years ago. The food, always incredible. The service is awesome. When I'm on my own, I'll just grab a spot at the bar. The menu is pretty vast. I had the shrimp po' boy sandwich with fries, delicious as usual. And the great thing about this place as well, if you've got food allergies, whether it's a dairy allergy or a gluten allergy, they're one of the many places along the strip that will actually do variations of their menu items to suit your allergies. So keep that in mind. I wanted to do a little bit of shopping, so I headed up to the North Premium Outlet Mall, the outdoor outlet mall. Now, the weather being what it was, cloudy and cold, I'd have normally gone to the south, the indoor mall, but the store that I wanted to hit specifically doesn't have a location down there. So I hopped on the SDX bus, which I've talked about before. This is the Strip Downtown Express, $8 for a 24-hour pass to ride the bus, absolutely worth it. I hopped on out front of the Paris Hotel. It's about 30 minutes from there up to the mall. And honestly, riding the bus in Vegas is an experience in and of itself. You are going to see people in places that you would never see otherwise. Like what I like to refer to as the historic bail bonds district. I don't think it's actually called that, but it should be. One block of this stretch, there's no less than six bail bonds offices and two law firms, and all of these things are conveniently located down the street from the Clark County Detention Center, because of course, it's Vegas. <laughs> After I wrapped up my shopping, I headed back to the Strip, stopped into Walgreens to grab my obligatory A&W cream soda, and headed up to my room to chill out a bit before heading out for dinner. Now, for dinner, I decided on Gordon Ramsay Burger over at Planet Hollywood. This used to be one of my regular spots, but I hadn't been in a very long time. Really, no reason why. It just kind of fell off my radar. Now, in the last year or so, they underwent a rebrand from Burger, spelt B-U-R-G-R, to Burger, spelt B-U-R-G-E-R. Place was busy, but being solo, I was able to get in relatively quickly, and having platinum status with Caesars, I was able to get a spot at the chef's bar sitting right in front of the kitchen watching them prep all the food, which was a very cool experience. Now, once again, this comes back to my advice previously to make sure that you always sign up for the various casino loyalty clubs. You never know what kind of little perks you're going to get, and if you track your spending and gambling right, it's really not hard to move up in status quickly. Anyway, I had the Hell's Kitchen Burger, which is a classic and delicious, and the beer battered onion rings, which were amazing. After heading back to the hotel to grab a quick shower and change, I headed over to the space for Monday's Dark. Now, I've talked about the show Monday's Dark in past episodes, but if you're a new listener, please allow me to indulge you for a minute. Monday's Dark was a show created by my friend Mark Chinook a little over five years ago. Mark was one of the stars in the now-defunct Rock of Ages at the Venetian and the Rio. He was also the former MC for Magic Mike Live at the Hard Rock, and he serves as the in-game host for the Vegas Golden Knights NHL team at T-Mobile Arena. 
Twice a month, Mark gathers his Vegas friends together to perform and raise money for a local Vegas charity. They manage to raise $10,000 in 90 minutes at every single show. Tickets start at just 20 bucks, and I can honestly say it's probably the best entertainment value you're going to find in Vegas. The theme for this particular edition of Monday's Dark was the music of Queen, so you just knew it was going to be incredible. Place was absolutely packed, standing room only, and an amazingly talented group of performers came in. And here's the cool thing about Monday's Dark is you never really know who's going to show up. This time around, performers included members of the Tenors of Rock, who are currently serving a residency at Harris, and Bucky Hurd, who's one half of the Righteous Brothers. Uh, they're also in residency at Harris. I was also honored to be a part of the show. I had the privilege of being brought up on stage by Mark to make a donation to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, which was the benefiting charity of the night. Now, as you may have heard in past episodes, I lost my mom a little over a year ago to a very rare and aggressive bone cancer, but her other major health battle for pretty much her whole life was Crohn's and colitis. I watched her fight it, and I watched the disease fight back. Now, the thing about Crohn's and colitis is it's not one of the quote-unquote sexy diseases like breast cancer or prostate cancer, and I know it doesn't get a lot of attention, so I wanted to help out any way possible. Honestly, I thought I was going to give Mark a donation, and he was just going to mention it during the show. To be brought up on the stage to be able to share my story was a huge surprise and, again, an absolute honor. So. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much to Mark Chinook and the entire Monday's Dark family who helped to, to make that happen. And thanks to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation for the amazing job that they're doing, uh, helping people like my mom, who, again, fought this, this terrible disease for, for almost her entire life. Post-show, I was able to join my friends Kenny Davidson and Kristen De Silva for a bite to eat. Now, Kenny is an amazingly talented pianist who acts as the musical director for Monday's Dark. He hosts and plays piano at Don't Tell Mama, a very cool piano-slash-karaoke bar over on Fremont Street. He hosts the Kenny Davidson Show, Friday nights at the Tuscany, and he's also the co-host of the podcast Our Vegas Fantasy, which is an NFL fantasy football podcast with his friend Christina Shaw. Now, Kristen is a content producer and crime reporter for Fox 5 News in Las Vegas, and she's also a prime rib aficionado. If you want to see how big of a prime rib fan she is, give her a follow on Twitter at Kristen De Silva. She's got some amazing photos on there. Anyway, we headed over to Ellis Island Casino and Brewery, which is a block east of the Strip on Coval Lane to grab a bite to eat at the Village Pub and Cafe. Kristen totally delivered on her promise of post Monday's dark prime rib. Wow. I had the King Cut Prime Rib Special, and it was amazing. I ordered it medium rare. It was cooked absolutely perfectly. It was super tender and massive. The piece they gave me was about as big as my face. Now, here's the thing about going off strip. As mentioned earlier, prices are always so much better when you get away from the tourist traps. The cost for this massive dinner, that also included a salad, by the way, was $16.99. Now, by comparison, the mocha and coffee cake that I had for breakfast from Starbucks the following morning 
cost me $12. <laughs> the rest of the menu is like this as well. The prime rib is about the most expensive thing on there. Otherwise, most of the entrees are in the $10 to $15 range. Again, amazing value. After dinner, grabbed a quick ride back over to the Flamingo, stayed up for a bit to try my luck on the slots, but no joy there. Slots were super tight, and I ended up calling it a night by around 2 o'clock. Day number three, I had another lie-in late morning. I didn't end up getting up and moving until around 12.30 or so. I headed downstairs and out to the Link Promenade and hit up Starbucks for the aforementioned $12 venti mocha and coffee cake, and then grabbed a lift over to the space at Polaris and Harmon to have a quick visit with my buddy Mark and his wife Cheryl to get caught up with them outside of the craziness of Monday's Dark. Then I grabbed another lift back over to the Park MGM to grab a late lunch. Now, thanks to another Vegas friend of mine, I've started to get a bit of a taste for sushi. A couple of years ago, my friend Ashley took me over to Saki Rock at the park by T-Mobile and basically forced me to try it. And guess what? I liked it. It was mid-afternoon between the lunch and supper rushes, so I was literally the only person in the place, which meant fast and attentive service, amazingly fresh food, and my server was super friendly. I had the California roll and a shrimp tempura roll. Both were awesome. Spent the rest of the afternoon walking back up the strip, ducking in and out of the casinos, and checking out the decorations for Chinese New Year. Now, the Bellagio Conservatory is done up amazingly for the Year of the Pig. If you're going to be there before March the 9th, you'll get to check it out. But the conservatory does go dark from March 10th to 15th as they get prepared for their spring display. Very cool to see other casinos have gotten into the spirit as well with some pretty amazing decorations scattered throughout. Tried my luck in the Flamingo Casino again and again, no big wins, before heading up to my room to change before heading out for dinner. I decided to make Grand Lux Cafe in the Venetian my destination for dinner that night. Now, I've eaten there a lot, but usually it's after midnight and I'm only able to pick off the late night menu. This time, having access to the dinner menu was fantastic. The only downside is that menu is huge. It's almost too big. Anyway, in the end, I decided to go with the ribeye steak and mashed potatoes with a side of Brussels sprouts. Now, honestly, I usually try to avoid ordering steak in restaurants simply because I cook a mean barbecue steak. And I don't like going out and eating something and thinking, man, I could have cooked this better. No, not in this case. The steak was cooked absolutely perfectly, amazingly tender. The Brussels sprouts were delicious. The potatoes were awesome. All in all, it was a fantastic meal. And I will definitely continue to make Grand Lux Cafe a stop on my meal tours when I'm in Vegas. After dinner, I grabbed a lift down a Fremont Street and the Golden Nugget to connect with my friend Lisa Marie Smith. She and her band, Pop Rebels, were performing in the Rush Lounge at the Golden Nugget. Now, I talked about Lisa way back in episode number one of the show in my November trip report. I'd been in town for the release of her self-titled debut EP, which, by the way, is currently streaming on Apple Music and Spotify and is available for download from iTunes. I'll post the link up there in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. Now, the Rush Lounge is a cool, intimate little spot in the Golden Nugget. Drinks are reasonably priced, as they are most places off the Strip, and the atmosphere is great to just sit back, enjoy the tunes, take in the people watching, and there's even a couple of blackjack tables if you're into playing games. 
I stayed for the Pop Rebels first set and then had a great little visit with Lisa, who's getting ready to do a bunch of traveling and touring over the next couple of months. If you want to keep up to date on what she's got going on, uh, follow her on social media at Sing Lisa Marie on Twitter and Instagram. I decided after that to wander through a couple of the casinos along Fremont Street and try my luck with the slots there because I keep hearing how loose they are on Fremont Street. They are apparently loose for everybody except me. I won absolutely nothing. So I hopped a lift from the plaza back over to Caesar's Palace to try some slot play there and have a drink in the Alto Bar. Now, I decided to switch it up a little bit and tried my luck at some video blackjack at the bar. Did okay, but again, no big wins. So once I was out of cash, I headed back across the street to the Flamingo, played some slots again before heading to bed. Now there, I popped $50 into one of the Monopoly machines, got down to my last three, won $55, and cashed out. Decided to cut my losses as best I could and call it a night. I mentioned back at the start of the episode that I'd made a couple of notes about some random observations that I wanted to share. So let's do that right now. First off, let's talk about the weather. This is probably one of the coldest visits I've ever had to Las Vegas. The temperatures hovered right around the freezing mark. The winds were gusty. It rained off and on throughout the entire trip. Honestly, it really wasn't that pleasant. I've never been to Vegas in February before, so I I really wasn't 100% sure what to expect, but it definitely felt like winter. Now, to be fair, it was warmer than the 40 below that I was escaping from back here at home, but still felt cold. And the amazing thing was I still saw people walking around in shorts and tank tops. I was actually walking into one of the hotel lobbies and I was wearing a long sleeve shirt and a jacket and and pants and, and I was cold and this dude was walking out and he was wearing a tank top and shorts and sandals and I looked at him and I just said dude you are gonna freeze out there and he looked at me no man I'll be fine I'll be fine I, I don't know if he turned into a popsicle when he walked outside or what happened but I warned him and that was really all I could do. So my advice would be to check the forecast before leaving for your trip. Vegas isn't always hot. Just because it's in the desert doesn't mean it's always hot year round. So you have to plan for that. Now, speaking of which, dress in layers. This is so you can take off a layer or two when you go into the casinos. Being there in the wintertime, total opposite of being there in the summertime. Obviously, in the summer, you're sweating outside and freezing inside. And in the winter, it's freezing outside and you're sweating inside. The temperatures in the casinos are cranked right up. So again, just plan for that. Secondly, I would like to bring up a point about using your speakerphone in public. I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when I say this, but stop using your damn speakerphone in public. Nobody wants to hear both sides of your conversation, unless you're up for me joining in and offering my opinion on whatever it is you're talking about. I experienced this on the bus, in the elevator, at the airport, and in a restaurant. It is completely unnecessary, and trust me, you are annoying everybody else around you. Uh, third, I want to talk about my Lyft drivers on this trip. Big thank you to Jenea. George, Diana, John, Ross, and Ron. They were all amazing. Five-star rides across the board, and I think this is the first time I've ever experienced that on a Vegas trip. 
And finally, I'd like to share a little public service announcement slash safety message for this episode. Please learn how to cross the street in Las Vegas. It's simple. If the light says, don't walk, then don't walk. I saw no less than a dozen near misses between cars and pedestrians, and in every single one of them, the pedestrian would have been at fault. You are in a strange city. You're unfamiliar with the traffic patterns and the light patterns. The Vegas Strip has some really weird turning lights and hidden entrances and exits where it looks safe to cross, and you might think it's all free and clear, but all of a sudden you're halfway across the street and you've got cabs flying at you. And trust me, they will stop for nothing. They will honk at you and hope you get out of the way. So again, if the sign says, don't walk, don't walk. So I think that pretty much wraps things up for this week's episode of the show. Be sure to give me a follow on social media at Jeff Does Vegas on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean so you'll know the instant a new show is uploaded. And be sure to check out past episodes and show notes at JeffDoesVegas.com. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 10 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production. Oh,